0: And so today we want to continue on uh, courage to deal wisely in the affairs of life. And today specifically we want to talk about change is the way of life. We're using our main text, Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, somebody say then. then. Say it again, then. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. The complete Jewish Bible on that last part says, Then your undertakings will prosper, and you will succeed. Tell your neighbor you will succeed. As I told you when I introduced this topic, I think I pulled back and stayed away from using the word success because of the way it's somehow being abused. then when I read the scriptures, I couldn't run away from the fact that God wants us to succeed. Can I hear an amen? amen? And I mean, tell the truth. You also want to be successful. Come on, don't give me that innocent look. You want to be successful. We all want to be successful and God wants us to be successful. The Amplified Bible reads that last part, for then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall deal wisely and have good success. And that's, they the, the, I've used that for our topic, uh, uh, courage to deal wisely in the affairs of life. Or I can simply call it courage to be successful. I just wanted to stay away from that. But that's what I'm talking about. Because we all want to deal wisely in the affairs of life to be successful. That scripture tells us that success comes as a result of doing certain things. All right? If we meditate in the word day and night, if we do what the word says, if we act on what the word says, then we will be successful. And I like the, the, the King James Bible because it qualifies the type of success. It says you'll have good success. For it to say good success, that should suggest that you can have bad success. Or let's rephrase, you can achieve success in the wrong way. And by the way, the Bible doesn't confine success to money. But for now, let's talk about money. I mean, when I came back, we were talking Lintatem content saying, you know what has been happening more, higher, more. His first response was, hey, the cash-in-transit heists, Debo." bokeh. You know, and then he tells me about this guy who stole money. And, uh, of course, through the investigation, they found out that the money was in his backyard. See, a guy like that, Bazalana, if you didn't know he stole the money, you would really envy his Lamborghini and his big house and his clothes. You really look at him and really feel that, whoo, I wish I was like him. And to the eyes of the casual observer, he looks like a successful person. But that's bad success. Because it's the kind of success that when you hear the siren going, you wonder if it's not going to disappear. But God wants to give us good success. Can I hear an amen? Because the blessing of God maketh rich and he adds no sorrow with it. When God blesses you, you don't have to look over your shoulder and wonder what's going to happen. You don't have to worry when somebody says, I'm going to pull the rug from underneath your feet. You don't have to worry when the siren rings because you know it's good success. Can I have an amen in the house? God wants us to have good success, but God doesn't want us to pursue success as the be all and end all. It's never to be our number one pursuit. Success, as we said in the first week, it's supposed to be a byproduct it comes as a result of us having done certain things. We meditate in the word day and night. We, we, we observe to do according to what is written therein. We, we, we make sure it doesn't depart from our eyes and from our sight. And, and, and when we make God our number one pursuit, in the words of Jesus, when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these Lamborghinis and cars and everything shall be added to us. Yeah, they are not the be all and end all. Keep pasela? by product, And when we get them, we don't turn our attention away from God and look at them. No. We use them. We don't apologize for them. Okay? We don't feel sorry for having them. We don't have to explain ourselves to anybody for having them. Alright? Mara. They are not our be all and end all. When we get them, hara be funny and stop coming to church. When we get them, we start mistreating people. When we get them, we don't use them as a stated symbol. We use them as as a means to an end. It's meant to move meat from A to B. Whether it's Lamborghini or Kia, at the end of the day. Oh, I don't hear amens in this house. But God wants us to deal wisely in the affairs of life. And there are principles to that. We said there are four principles. First of all, we said. The first principle there, four of them, is that change is the way of life. That's the first one we said we're gonna put down. And that's what we're gonna to discuss today. Change is the way of life. It's a principle of success. Second principle is self-worth is the foundation of life. We won't have time to deal with that this month. Hopefully, Raklaibona we'll some other time. And last week, Murut Matora talked about desire is the motivation of life. And then the second Sunday, I talked about discipline is the strength of life. And so today, we want to talk about change is the way of life. And I want to use Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20 to 23 in the NIV Bible as my main text. Proverbs 6, 23 to 28. We're going to read from verse 20. Proverbs 6, verse 20 rather to 23. It reads as follows. My son... Keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them upon your heart forever. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. For these commands are a lamp this teaching is a light, and corrections of discipline are the way of life. Somebody say, and of discipline are the way of life. Amen. Say it again, corrections of discipline are the way of life. When you read that last verse, actually in other translations, you know that all the other verses we've read speak into that verse. When your parents raise you up, and they talk to you, and they give you commands, And they give you instructions and they talk to you. Yours as a child, you have the responsibility to listen to what is said. Take the advice and use it. When they rebuke you, when they command you, when they challenge you, it's not that they dislike you. They are doing it because they have your interest at heart. If you learn to take what you've been taught and change in the way you live, then things will be well. And then it says, by the way, remember... Life is about changing. If you don't learn to change in life, you'll never move forward in life. We all change. And that's what life is about. But it's those who do not want to be helped, when you give them information, when you instruct them, bangala. In English, I get to say, bangala. The ngala. All right. In fact, Proverbs chapter 9 alludes to that. It says, do not rebuke a mocker, or he will hate you. See, people don't understand the purpose of correction and instruction. When you tell them the truth and you you challenge them, they're going to dislike you. Then it says, rebuke a wise man, he will love you. Why? Because we understand that when rebuke comes, it brings change to my life. And if I change, I get better. Like I'm telling you, I mean, traveling, going to other parts of the world, I want to go see something. Definitely, I've taken a lot of notes. There's a lot of things I've seen there that I'm going to look at how I'm doing certain things and make some adjustments. That's how you grow in life. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Verse 9 says, Instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. See, we add to our knowledge. We continue growing. So we understand we cannot be static, even in what we know. We cannot be static, even in our belief system. We continue adding, and therefore we continue growing. Then it says, teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. But if you teach a fool, a fool doesn't want to take knowledge. A fool doesn't want correction. A fool wangala in English. ngaling. All right. So, what he's saying here is that life is about changing. But let's tell the truth. Change is very difficult. Whether it's changing a habit, changing an attitude... Changing a job? A city? What about changing a belief system? It's always a challenge. There are things I'm noting now, at this stage in my life, that I used to believe, I'm not talking in terms of the Bible necessarily, but just certain things that we grow up believing, you know. And then later on you realize in life, this thing is not true. All things being equal, is not true. Now, you have a choice. Either... You live in denial, hold on to your belief, don't change, or you relinquish and get rid of what you believed, embrace something new, and then what happens? You become wiser, you move further in your life. Well, I'll change in Barcelona. There's things I'm finding as I grow, I should have done better. I could have done differently. Certain things that you really believed, you even told others. Hey, tell the truth. Lidi tell the truth, it never changed them. And then, when they put it in a test, in the test tube, and by checker scientifically, there was no worth to that thing. Did it vitamin? Did it see you? You know, when you checked it, it didn't do anything. Now, you have a choice. Either you walk in denial or you accept. Look at your neighbor and say "Why Is he talking about you? (laughs) Change is even more difficult When it's imposed on us suddenly Without our approval When circumstances in life change And you are not there To necessarily initiate the change You just have to cope with it That's even more difficult But change is the way of life we are constantly learning and unlearning. We are always entering and leaving. Hmm? We are changing in our fitness, in our health. Yeah. We're at a family event, Mawane, and I was chuckling when I was looking at some of the guys there. My, they have changed. And my, have I changed. Some people back then are, and are the Afro. These days, change has happened. I was actually choking with the other one, actually. He came there with a the beard. His beard is black and white. I said, ah, Orlando Pirates. He says, no, no, it's called pepper and salt. <laughs> hey. But that's change, you know. And the problem is sometimes even when you change, you are we born? You know, one day you are doing something, so you squat. And ever since we got class, <laughs> you didn't realize, hey, Elena, I'm taking a chance of squatting right now. Jesus help me (laughs) We changed by You know Few years ago We were this size We were this tall This short This broad You know This high This whatever This looks People used to admire you They used to envy you All the hair they envied It's fallen out Now the best thing is to put something in its place Anybody knows what I'm talking about All of a sudden you realize you have a wrinkle somewhere Huh? Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Yeah, oh, you don't want to accept or you have wrinkles. You have a wrinkle somewhere? Huh? Yeah. You know, I always, in my life, I've always been the youngest in, in most things. It, it ended at a certain point. <laughs> but at school, I was among the youngest in class. We were promoted. We were the first group that was promoted from Standard 6 to Form 1. You remember? When they did away with Standard 6. So in our class I was among the youngest, you know. I always it again. Tash Reform, I was the youngest who started teaching children. I was the youngest in Bible school, I was the youngest. You know, not over last born, you are the youngest. So you grow up with this mind, you are you are the youngest. Until one guy, young guy, Southgate years ago, are gunja time. Hey. Hey <laughs> hey that boy, he was almost in trouble but it's change. And then when I realized, when I looked at this young man, he's the same age as my kids. That's why I kill the time. See, some of you, you're wasting your time, but not changing. You're not realizing, you're not going to be young forever. And we need to learn to adjust to change. When Jesus taught the people of his day, one of the biggest things he had to deal with it's to constantly challenge the people of his day when it came to the things of God that if you're going to move forward with God, you need to learn to embrace change. See, Pastor Lana, the gospel is very confrontational. And when we preach here, we're not here to entertain you. We're going to confront you with truth. And I know sometimes people don't like that. You know, people don't like that. You want us to talk about Jonah and the whale and not talk about you. No, we're not going to work away. And we're going to meddle in your stuff because that's the nature of preaching. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you, you know, years ago, this is many years ago, as a young preacher, I was in this conference, a leader something, and there was a minister from overseas. When he came to preach, this man was really meddling in my business. You know, I sat there thinking, who told him about me? You know, and and, and I was not happy at all. But I can tell you, Mazalana, looking back years later, I didn't ask something. If I didn't listen, some of you are You close your ears. You close your heart. You, you disengage. You don't want us to talk about my suso odulele now. You don't know. You don't want us. you Because you don't want us to talk about that. You don't talk. You don't want us to talk about forgiveness and, 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 and no bitterness because you live in that world. You understand what I'm saying? So you don't want us to talk about being truthful because. You know, our white whites are one adjust adjusted. <laughs> Anyone knows what I'm talking about? But let me tell you, Basalam, I'm being honest with you now. Looking back, like I told you, the older you get, perspective of life is different. Some things you wish you could have been much more quicker to, to embrace certain things. Had I not listened to that man, I don't think I'll be standing here today. I'm promising you. I'm going to through <laughs> God and the Holy Bible, but can't Serious, yeah. But you see, life is like that. Jesus says to the people of his day in Matthew 9, verse 16 and 17, he says, besides, who would patch an old clothing with new cloth? Huh? For the new patch would shrink and rip away the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. No one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the old skins will burst from the pressure spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine installed into new wine skins so that both are preserved. Jesus is using this analogy of a wine skin because they used to store wine in a wine skin. The container of wine was made out of the skin of animals. If it's still new and fresh, as the wine was poured in there because new wine is is active, it releases gases. And because it's active... Once it releases gases, the skin, because it's not old and dry and set in its ways, it will expand and allow. In fact, the only way to not break is to allow change to take you along. That's the only way. That's the only way. You know, in the design of things today, it's amazing how they've improved the aeroplanes. Even the material they're making it out of and... I was shocked one day. I was watching a documentary where they were talking about how the aeroplanes are made and they put them through these tests where they kind of put them in a wind tunnel. And the body of a plane is these days now, it's been many years now, is designed such that it's not as hard as it used to be before. Because as a plane flies and as it experiences turbulence and air up there, you know, as it comes against the, the wind, the body of the plane has to adjust. To that wind. And that's what makes the plane comfortable. It's amazing. You would think it because it's adjusting, it would be no 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 no. No no no. It, the reason it's comfortable is because it's not it's not stiff, it allows the wind to change it. See and, and, and Jesus was telling the people of his day, when the gospel comes your way, when you hear something you've never heard before, when it challenges your belief system, you're stuck, you 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 don't want to go, you you don't want to flow with what God is saying in your life. When you come to church, come and be, make up your mind, I'm just going to, I'm going to flow. Tell your neighbor I'm going to flow. Tell your neighbor I'm going to flow. Tell your neighbor I'm going to flow. Tell your other neighbor I'm going to flow. You know what it means to flow? What it means to flow? Remember when you were a young Christian? Eh? You were not self-conscious. You came here because you wanted to hear the truth. You so loved the church. You so loved the preaching. You so liked me. And anything we said, you said, Amen. Any altar call you made, you came. Any wrong you did, you confessed. But now you've grown up. Now you are stiff. That's what Jesus was trying to tell the people. Not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is trying to impress on them this truth that to you, change should be a way of life. He wants to make them understand you cannot bring a new way to a new system that refuses to change. And this is the biggest hindrance in people's lives when God is trying to add truth to your truth. When God's trying to take you further in your walk with him, instead of changing, you won't change. The early church had to deal with change. In Acts 6, we saw how they had to change their leadership style when the church grew. They had to learn to delegate The apostles realized, 12 of us, there's no way we can preach and serve tables at the same time. When we have a church of more than 3,000, we have to learn to delegate. So they learned to delegate. They had to move away and say, there are things that we can do. You can only do so much. You can do everything. Later on, the apostles themselves, in Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 15, they learned that the Gentiles can be saved. It's amazing. Peter, even if God had used him so mightily, in his heart he still held on to certain belief systems. He still had certain prejudices. Peter was prejudiced against the Gentiles. He didn't believe that Gentiles can be saved. So when God gave him a vision in Acts chapter 10, and he saw things being brought up from the heavens, and a voice said, kill and eat. Peter says, no, Lord, I've never eaten anything that's unclean. And God said, don't ever call anything that I have cleansed and say it's unclean. God was setting him up. They say somebody, God will set you up. Tell your other neighbor, God will set you up. Tell your other neighbor, God will set you up. You see, Bersalana, God is not committed to your comfort. God is committed to our transformation. And sometimes God will lead you into situations that are going to push you. They're going to challenge your prejudice. They're going to challenge your belief system. So when Peter went to the house of Cornelius, he didn't believe it. He said, you need to go to the house of Cornelius. Because God spoke to him. We were sent to you. So God is leading. So when he gets to the house of Cornelius, He's looking around, he's saying, I hope the other Jews don't see me associating with these Gentiles. God says, All right, yeah. I, I, I let him preach, and, and even before he makes an altar call, he will see a move of God that he has never seen on any other scale. As Peter is preaching, God doesn't wait for the guy to make an altar call. In a while he yet spoke, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. And they heard them speaking in tongues. And those who came with Peter were astonished that even on the Gentiles, the Holy Spirit was given. And Peter looks at this and says, shall anybody deny that these should be baptized as well like us? Seeing that they have received the Holy Ghost just like us. Change is a way of life. Can I hear an amen, bazaran amen. Can I hear an amen? amen? There's always an element of pain, however, that goes with change. Even if the change is for the good, there's always an element of leaving something to embrace something, leaving the familiar to embrace the unfamiliar, leaving the secure to run to what may not seem so secure. This is what trapeze artists do. Watch this. See, this is a good skill and a, an amazing thing that they do. For this girl to fully demonstrate her abilities as a trapeze artist, there is no way we can see the trick in its fullness if she doesn't let go of what she was holding on to. But even in letting go of what she used to hold on to, she has to throw herself into the world of the unfamiliar. Throw herself into the unsecure world, believing That the step that she's taking Is going to lead to a spectacular show Some of you this is what God is calling you to God is saying let go of things of the past God is saying let go of the beliefs of the past Change Throw yourself into the mercy of a living God Who will uphold you But a trapeze artist knows I'll never be able to move to the next step until I let go of the former step. A trapeze artist knows I've got to throw myself and trust that his hands will hold me. I have to trust that he won't get untangled from the rope and fall to the ground. I've got to trust and God says, are you going to trust me with your life? He's bigger than a trapeze artist. He's stronger than that guy. And God is saying, are you going to change? Or are you going to hold on to that? When that is not where I've called you, I've called you to a miraculous thing. Can I hear a good amen in the This involves timing, risk, and understanding that I cannot move forward if I'm still holding on to the past. I'm still holding on to the familiar. In life, there's always an element of living something familiar and embracing something new. Living what is secure. Sometimes you know you have a new and a better job. It means leaving your friends, leaving familiar places behind. This is painful. It's for this reason that many people avoid change because they want to avoid the pain of going into the unfamiliar. You know, my bishop and I, one of the things we try and do when we travel is to go to embassies around different countries, South African embassies. And one of the things we find again and again and again is that our government and those uh, 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 embassies are offering so many opportunities for our people, but not many of our people take them. Because there's just something about us South Africans, we don't want to leave this country. I'm not talking about leaving permanently. We, we, we feel insecure if we're not in South Africa. Yeah. We found out now in Korea, the Korean government is actually offering opportunities for people who will go there and teach English because they say our diction of English is audible better than other people in the world. Mm. With love from South Africa. The way we speak, the Koreans can hear us. So they're offering that. Free, free. They're offering. If you can go. <coughs> one condition. Yeah. You must learn to speak Korean. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you don't want to learn. For one year, you learn. And you can learn to speak any language. All of us can learn. You can adapt to the Korean. And you can eat the food there in Korea. Yeah, I know some of you are looking at Korea Channel. That's that's what you're thinking. Yeah, yeah. And then people say, hey, did you eat a snake? But you see, that's that's, that's all based on ignorance. It's all based on ignorance. So what happens as South Africans? We have many people, highly qualified, some of you, sitting here unemployed. When there's opportunities out there in the world where you could make a lot of money, I'm telling you, you can have a prosperous career, and the best gift you can ever get is to have an international way of thinking. I tell you. you. I'm being honest with. You. I'll be honest with you. I only learned, learned this as I started traveling, because you know I never traveled before. First time I traveled, I was so nervous. You want to check if the plane is still there. <laughs> Even when it flies, you want to check if it's still in the right direction. And then when you get to the next country, you feel so uncomfortable because now you meet a new culture, and new people, new food, new weather, new everything. And you're all alone. But you know what I've learned? Even if you get lost, you'll get found. <laughs> anyway, if you can speak, I'm telling you, if it's about war, ah. that's all you need. You can use sign language, you anything. Speak, you can speak. <laughs> Wife, I didn't tell you this one. I didn't tell you. I'm going to tell you. I've got. I have to. This was for my sermon. You know, there are, I. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go and sort out something. At the airport when we were in Korea, and uh, so yeah, it was a long day. You know, it was a long day. So anyhow, so I I got into a taxi. All right, Korean taxi to take me back to where we stayed. So it was a long way. So. I had had too much water to drink, so I <laughs> so I, I, had to go. So, so I'm trying to tell this guy, no, I need to go to the toilet. But there's a language problem, comrades. So, so you know, I mean, in the taxi, you sit at the back, he's sitting in the front. Sometimes I explain to him, I need to go and we. He's going, huh? I said, I must go to the train and ah! <laughs> I say, I must, I must. So I'm, I'm trying to show him. I won't show you what I was doing. What I was doing. I'm trying to show him my hair, But still, he doesn't get it. And I'm realizing, hey, my bladder is about to burst here. And I'm praying, God, let's not get on a highway. Because if we get on a highway, there's no. So I don't know what happened. And then all of a sudden he went, Oh! <laughs> he looks at me, he goes, He goes, tree! I said, Yeah, tree! Yeah, tree! <laughs> Fortunately, there was a garage not far from there. You should have seen me getting out of that car and running, brother. So when I came back, when I sat in the back, he burst out laughing, and I started laughing. We couldn't communicate, but we understood the tree. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) You know the freedom of knowing that you can go anywhere in the world and survive? It's a gift. But the security of our thinking deprives us. We have so many of you in this nation. Your gifts and your talents can take you so far out there. But people don't want to go. If they go, instead of being focused, yeah, one embassy we talked, we talked to them. They were telling us that they were saying we... You know, look at the, our program our, our doctors go go to go Cuba. Yeah. Set of study. So we don't want to change. And tell I was telling Mama Kerry, you know, if we're not careful, but I'm being honest. I, I'm very patriotic about our country. But one thing that that really gets to me in our country is we don't realize how the rest of the world is overtaking us even our airline right now it's been there are, there are there are airlines on this continent that are a preference now why because of the stinking attitude of our people yeah yeah we don't we don't we are not customer oriented we you know when we arrived at the airport rifitlanjene kya bara khoba go You go somewhere else, people treat you well. You know, you, yeah, we don't know how to serve. That's a big change. That's a big thing about, the the thing is this, will we change? Now you don't like me anymore. (laughs) Yeah. There are other changes that change nothing. People changing careers only to find out that their new job doesn't make them any happier than their old ones. Or people living in good places like their church, their home, thinking that living will solve their problems, and they find out that the change only brings them new problems. And the thing wasn't the environment, it was them who need to change. What's this now? Positive change brings growth. See, following God is positive change. And positive change will bring growth. Negative change, however, will move us backwards. See, following the world and following the things of the world will bring negative change. Now, why do people resist change? Number one, disobedience. When you read the Bible, you'll find that disobedience is the number one thing that God doesn't like the most. Disobedience. When God speaks to us, we harden our hearts, even in our home. But when children are disobedient, when you become a disobedient child, it's one of the worst worst drawbacks you can ever have in your life disobedience number two stubbornness some people are set in their ways even even if what they are doing is not working they 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 still battle for number three the unsettling feeling of stepping into the unknown look at my trapeze artist she has to let go and jump into the unknown. You know the feeling there? <laughs> Stepping into the unknown. New language, new home, new place, new food, new everything. Number four, the failure to see. Sometimes people don't see, they need to change. Everybody around you can see, who I'm going to change. You know, I don't know this... Saying but I guess some of you I know there's a saying in English, but the king's fly is open, Mara, nobody will say anything. It's kind of paraphrased like that. hai, that's the fly. Isn't it saying it's saying you know a king? None of us is gonna to volunteer to say ah. your majesty. <laughs> no, 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 no. He has the king standing here speaking, doing all the things. He's fine. But we who are looking at him, we're not even listening. Nobody's gonna volunteer the information. He's busy doing this thing. We are so distracted because hey, my lord. Oh. King are a problem. The sad thing is, he doesn't realize he needs to change. He's going on business as usual. Some of you, that's where you are in your life. Everybody around you is up to here, Gwen. Well. Hey hallelujah oh Jesus Everybody around can see you need to change. The problem is the king is not aware the fly is open. Sometimes we fail to see. That's why it's so important in our leadership style to surround ourselves with people who will give us feedback. Because yes. if you are an autocratic type of leader, I'm not going to let anyone say anything. You'll walk around with a fly open throughout your career. And people will just leave without telling you. You know, what am I a hunter fellow? No, 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 there's an opportunity elsewhere. How do they do what you say? How <laughs> Because you're the only one who doesn't realize you need to change. Number four, failure to move. Sometimes people can see they need to change, but they don't move because, you know, change involves a lot of effort. <laughs> Number five, they fear to look stupid in doing something new. You know, having to learn a new language is not easy. Having to learn a new skill... You're gonna look stupid, you're gonna make lots of mistakes. Number what? Seven, lack of clarity of why change is needed. Number eight. Ah, number eight, I say, ah. <laughs> lack of clarity why change is needed. Number eight, tradition and inflexibility. See when we're inflexible and steeped in tradition. And please, I keep working on tradition. I'm not talking about Amasi too, because that's usually when we say tradition, people immediately think about our culture. No, no. There are things that we do as a norm, and we've adopted them as the way we should do things. Nothing wrong with that, except that if they're no longer working, there's a problem. You still do it even if it's not working. Why one is not working? Mara, you still do it. Number nine. Fear of contradicting your previous beliefs. You know, one of the things about life as you grow up is you become humble enough to realize you don't know everything. You know, when you're still young and immature, you think you are the, you are the gospel itself. And then you realize later that something that you said is not true. Something that you believed is not true. After we distributed ele, you know. You, you have to accept this thing is not working. So as you get older, you become very, that is if you are learning, because sometimes you, you, you can become older and become a very difficult person. So, so it doesn't mean when you become older, you become nicer automatically, you know. But if you learn, if you allow life to teach you, you realize that some of your beliefs, so you, you, you have to say, I'm sorry, sometimes publicly you have to own up. Like we did in December, you know, when we wanted to change the service to ten o'clock, you remember? Yeah, I realized last December, ten o'clock. I know I explained, Mara. So I had to come here and say, uh, it's not working. (laughs) You know, there's a certain freedom in being at ease with being wrong. Some of us, we, we, we want to be so right that even if it destroys everybody around us, if it kills everything around us, you still want to know, what have I done wrong? Even if everything's falling apart. I'm going to give you three examples as I close of people who embrace positive change. The Bible is filled with stories like that. The first one is that of Abram in Genesis 12. I won't read it. You'll read it at home. God comes to him, he says, Abram, leave your native country. Leave your relatives, your father's family. Listen to what God says. Go to a land that I will show you. That's the price now. That's the sacrifice. That's the pain. This is what you've got to forego. But then God gives him a promise. He says, I will make you a great nation. <laughs> I'll bless you and make you famous with blessings. And all families of the earth will be blessed in you. No, it was Every change God requires of us involves sacrifice, pain, but also the blessing. Just like that trapeze artist, you have to let go of something to get hold of something new. So the change that Abraham had to make was to leave his country, go live in a foreign land that he didn't know. (laughs) Imagine his fear of living in a different culture, <laughs> speaking a different language, embracing new traditions. Imagine what he felt like leaving his relatives, his home, his friends behind for good. Imagine the risk of leaving the security of his home to an unknown place. I will still show you. <laughs> God doesn't tell him all the time, where are or No, I'll show you. But I'll only show you when you start moving. That's just like God. Yeah, I tell you. He never gives you the full story. He gives you enough. And if you don't act on what he tells you, the next is not coming. That's why many people struggle with God. But you see, the blessing in return was that his name and his family became great. God gave him many descendants. And the world was blessed through him. Today, Abraham is called the father Of all those who believe according to Galatians 3, 6, and 7. It says, consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Then it says, understand then that those who believe are the children of Abraham. Can you imagine? Had he said no, he would have never had this blessing of the whole world. Those who believe being called his children. What a blessing. To be a father of many nations. When I thought about this, I understood what a blessing to be a father of many nations. Second example is that of Mary, the mother of Jesus. When you read in Luke chapter 1 from verse 26 to 38, an angel comes to her, gives her a message from God that the Holy Spirit will come upon her. She's going to become pregnant. Mary is engaged to Joseph. And now she's going to be pregnant. She's going to tell people something that they were not there when it happened. They were not witnesses when the angel spoke. Mary had to learn either to say no or to embrace the concept that God could do something miraculous in her life. Cause her to conceive a child in a way that has never happened in the world before. Of course, there would be pain involved with this change. The pain of suffering, which is associated with childbirth, but even more so, the loss of reputation. Can you imagine? There's a possibility her husband could say, Ha, ah. long arm amwen. Can you imagine how she had to try and explain to her friends how it happened that she became pregnant? He says, No, it was not Joseph. Can you imagine the skeptics? Ah, yeah, we're not, we were not born yesterday. <laughs> can you imagine the ridicule? Even when the child was born, when you read, you, you can tell that Jesus was called a child born out of wedlock. The fact that she would be different, she would always live with the knowledge and the experience that no one could fully understand. Even in the greatest of moments, she couldn't share her feelings. Of this miraculous conception. Can you imagine the pain of loneliness and solitude in this culture where people ostracized her for what she did? And this would be her life. And to keep it all, she would watch this child crucified on the cross. All the pain that goes with change. But Mary saw the blessing attached to this change. She saw that. Of all the people, God chose her to put favor on her. (laughs) Of all the women, she would be the only woman. The only woman to be chosen in this way. She would be the mother of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. She would have the privilege of raising the Messiah who would die for the world. She would have the privilege of knowing that the, the, the Son of God as the Son of Mary. So she changed her mind and embraced change about what God could do. As you need to embrace change about what God can do, even if people don't believe it, even if people don't believe you can stay away from drugs, they don't believe you can live a clean life, they don't believe you can live in a way that honors God, but still embrace the change. They don't understand this praying of yours They they don't understand this reading of the Bible of yours They they don't understand when you go to church When it's cold They they, they don't understand why you're so obsessed with it They ostracize you And they make stories about you And they say all kinds of things Suffer the pain but my goodness The blessing that comes The blessing that comes My last example The rich young ruler In Mark chapter 10 This one is a it's a bittersweet story. In that this young man, the Bible shows us that he was young, but he was very wealthy and obviously wealthy out of having obeyed the word of God. But unfortunately for him, in the process, he lost perspective. He became attached to what God had given him. However, however, in his own spiritual journey he had this one question that was burning what must i do to inherit eternal life and 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 one day an opportunity came where it's not just any rabbi who was there it was jesus who was there Read it there in Mark chapter 10. I love it in the NIV, verse 17. It says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him. This guy, when he saw Jesus, he thought, my goodness, here's my opportunity. What I've been waiting for, you know, sometimes we we are believing God for something. We're trusting God for something. We're going to God for something. We're coming for counseling. We're approaching the spiritual leaders. But just like this man, we're not ready for what God is about to tell us. This guy runs and he's so passionate that he doesn't even stand he He falls at the feet of Jesus. Listen to his question. Oh my goodness. He asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He first of all started calling Jesus good teacher. Verse 18, Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Then Jesus says, Munna, you know the commandments don't matter. Don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, don't defraud, honor your father and your mother. The guy says, Whoops, stop, stop, Jesus. These things I have done ever since Gilimunyad. Obviously, that's why he was so blessed. And then it says, I tell you, this is a sad one. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Baselon, Jesus loved him like Jesus loves you. Jesus loved him. And because Jesus loved him, he's going he's to open to him the secrets of heaven. He's been he's been having this burning question. He's been waiting for this golden opportunity. There it is, presented to him on a plate. Jesus loves him. But then Jesus answers his question because he realized this guy has a problem. He says, There's only one thing you are lacking. Go sell everything you have, give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. And then Jesus nails it. He says, Then come and follow me. There's no other person that Jesus extended this invitation to except the 12. The 12 had already been chosen. Jesus never ever offered the opportunity to anybody else but to this young man that he loved. This young man that when he looked at him, he loved. But something had happened to this young man. He had gotten lost in what God had blessed him with. He had forgotten where he came from. He had forgotten his roots and Jesus loved him to try and bring him back to who he used to be. But when Jesus tells him the key, instead of receiving advice and changing, verse 22 says, and the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. What he had blinded him. His love for money blinded him. His attention on what God had blessed him with blinded him. He forgot where he started like so many people forget where they started. But I must be honest with you, it pains me sometimes when I meet some people. Our young people who grew up here in church, we know them, they grow up, get to a school of school, go to university, get a degree. Then we officiate at their wedding. And then, a year later, you meet them, they're no longer coming to church. Yeah. Now, I say, i not the wine. And I said, I'm going wine. going so, ambidextrous. It goes in tandem. And I think. I remember when we prayed for him to get a job. I remember when we paid for his school fees. But they don't understand what good success is. When they got the success, they worshipped it. And now we who used to be, their teachers were stupid now. I meet them sometimes when I travel. You meet them at airports. Here's my business card. Oh. You can consult me if you want. Really? That's what happened to this young man. This young man valued the law. His own ability above the ability of God. He valued his self-righteousness more than the righteousness of believing in Christ. He valued the comfort and the assurance that wealth provides and not trusting in Jesus. Instead of swallowing his pride and allowing his relationship with Jesus to be the thing that makes him perfect. Instead of swallowing his pride and not rely on what he has done and rely on God once more. See, this man's pain was not physical. It was psychological. It was a spiritual discomfort, which was very great. And unfortunately, this young man didn't realize how much he was loved. And it painted the heart of God. Who knows? Maybe this guy could have been the 13th apostle. In fact, I think we probably would be knowing his name than just a certain rich young man. Maybe we would be reading one of his Gospels. Who knows? Maybe he might have written an epistle. Who knows? Maybe this young man, we could be talking about the miracles he performed just like we talked about Peter. We could have talked about the churches he planted, but instead, he'll always be remembered as the one who went away. Because he didn't want to embrace change. Left swallowed in sadness. Instead of a positive response, as a fool, he walked away from the opportunity of a lifetime because he wouldn't change. I hope that's not your story. I hope that's not you. I hope you're not going to harden your heart to what God's talking to you about concerning your life. I hope you're not going to feel like God in this area, don't come close. Don't talk about it. Don't deal with this. And God just looks over and said, you're not going to move if you don't change. And that's the challenge I want to leave with you today. What is it that God's talking to you about? You know it. You know it. Will you embrace change? Or will you harden your heart like this young man? If you embrace change, though it may be painful to adjust, the rewards at the end will be so great. Let me conclude, Basalana. As a young man in 1979, when I got the call of God into ministry, I must be honest, Basalana, it was not my... Wish and desire to be a pastor. It, it was never something I set out to write. I wanted to be a school teacher. Because <laughs> I, I saw what teaching was like. It, it's, then, of course, secure profession. Monday to Friday, weekends you're at, at home with your family. You can go to church. So it's, it's a good life. It's controlled in a way and quite predictable. That's what I wanted. And maybe I would upgrade later and become a professor at university, you know. (laughs) And then the 8th of July, 1979, call of God comes. Even if one said yes, one didn't understand the fullness of what it means. And God calls you to something you're not used to. That's going to lead you in a life that might not be what you had preferred. You have to adjust to the reality of it all, the discomfort of it all. Everything that it gives, knowing fully well you're not there to build an empire, one day you're going to walk away from it all and say, you're right. Let the next generation move with it. Not a shareholder in it. But let me tell you, I'd never ever exchange it for anything in the world but some of you when god talks to you about those sacrifices you say no because we want that security of the familiar i challenge you today will you let god speak to you about your life some of you probably you've been coming to this church hearing how Jesus can change lives and save people. And even now, you haven't done anything about it. Or maybe you received Christ, but then you went back to your old way of living. And, but as the message was going out today, you heard God speak to you about your life. I want to offer you this opportunity to change. For you to say, Jesus, will you come into my heart and be the Savior and the Lord of my life? I give my life to you. I invite you into my life, into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. I'm tired of doing things my way. I want to do things your way. Would you bow your heads, please, everybody? And close your eyes. Hallelujah. Pindu Kulu, Pindu Kulu, Memo, Pindu All your heads and close your eyes, Lordin. Kuluma 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 Ko Sia Will you listen to him today? Will you be flexible? Kuluma Kuluma. Let him whisper to your heart. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you say, please pray for me. I want to invite Jesus into my life. I'm ready for change. I'm ready for change. I may not understand fully what it's about, but I know I need God. I need God's intervention in my life. My life is not pleasing to God. Please pray for me. If that is you, would you raise your hand right where you are? I want to pray for you, please. Raise it up. Thank you for those hands. God bless you. Raise it without any fear, without any shame. Keep it raised. This is the time when I say, God, I've heard what you said. I'm responding to you. I'm not going to harden my heart. I'm not going to walk away like the rich young ruler. Bitter in my heart disappointed in my heart. I'm going to say yes. Thank you for your hands. Would you stand please? All those of you who raised your hands, please. Can you please stand right where you are? Please go ahead and stand on your feet. Just stand. I want to pray for you. Go ahead, lady. Just stand. stand. Stand right where you are. Stand. Go ahead and stand, please. Everybody just stand all over. Stand all over. You don't need to be afraid or ashamed. You don't need to be afraid or ashamed. See, when we come to God, we don't need to be afraid or ashamed in any way. All God can do is to wish for us the best things and the best of life. You can put your hands down.